What's up, everyone? We're back for a new episode of the College Tennis Coaches Podcast. The one and only podcast made to teach coaches like you how to pave your way in the modern era of college tennis. Today, we're taking an in-depth look with one of the nation's brightest young coaches, Boomer Saya, the head tennis coach at Iowa State. In this episode, Dave and Boomer talk more about their friendship and how it began, the career path of a young coach, and how working hard and keeping the passion to learn more landed him a dream come true career. Dave, take it away. Boomer Saya, welcome to the ITA College Tennis Coaches Podcast. Thanks for having me, Coach Mullins. I uh, appreciate it. Yeah, it's... uh... I'm obviously scraping the barrel here in season three if I'm asking you to be on our podcast. <laughs> it's always a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't mean that. Obviously, we go, uh, we've had some great times together, many ups and downs. You were my assistant at the University of Oklahoma for, for two years, and, and we'll get into that a little bit more. So um, I'm, I'm sorry to be so rude to kick off this podcast, but. I knew wouldn't expect anything less in which I was bringing it up. So, all right, Boomer. So obviously fascinating background as to, as to how you got here today. Growing up, your, your dad was an athletic director and, and obviously that's impacted uh, your interest in collegiate athletics and in coaching. Can you kind of talk a little bit about what you learned from him in that role and uh, how you're applying some of those lessons today? For sure. I mean, probably the biggest thing that I gained from him and my mother would be their just work ethic to succeed. Um, what that probably looks like uh, day in, day out, the probably the sacrifices that they made to be successful in their professions. Um, that that really, uh, I don't know, resonated with me. It's kind of how I wanted to live my life. And um, I felt like being an athletic director's uh, son it was it was like a playground, and so being in locker rooms, being uh, watching practices and games, um, and just watching and analyzing the uh, the interactions between players and coaches of why why did the coach say that or why did the coach get onto that kid? Uh, what was that kid's response or what was uh, what a winning um, locker room speech was and what a losing locker room speech was um, and bouncing those ideas off my dad after, um, you know, I just, it was, it was such a uh, remarkable experience growing up in that world that I knew I wanted to coach and I knew I wanted to be wrapped up in athletics because it was, it was such an amazing, uh, I guess, childhood of growing up around it. I didn't, I didn't see myself in any other profession at all. Mm. Yeah. And you talked about the work ethic there and something that you know, shines through everybody who's worked with you will speak about your, your work ethic. And I saw it firsthand at OU. So, you know, can you give us a sense of kind of your, your father's commitment to his roles there and, and, you know, what was time was he starting and what time was he getting off and how many days a week and all the rest of it? Definitely. Um, if you've ever met my dad, uh, one thing that he always does is he arrives early um, to everything that he does. And when I say early, I mean hours early. <laughs> and so if he's at the airport, it's four hours before his flight type deal. <laughs> and so um, I think just waking up uh, with a with a mission and, and getting into the office and uh, grinding um, or just being available as, as the AD 
Um, <clears throat> I remember, you know, he was available to his coaches or to any of his student athletes 24 seven. And so um, whether that was a call at, you know, 10 PM at night or being there when uh, I think when somebody was going through a rough time. Uh, so that was, um, you know, he would leave at the drop of a hat to help anybody. And I think, um, you know, uh, as, as you know, the coaches don't really have uh, strict uh, hours rather than you could be working, you know, 80 hours one week at, at all different times. And so there is no necessarily eight to five. And, uh, and I think uh, uh, I really tried to, I guess, um, I, I got a firsthand picture of what, what that looked like. But yeah, I would say uh, the, whatever he would do, um, it was obviously to uh, benefit others um, in many ways. Um, and that didn't necessarily, again, include the hours of eight to five. So it was just probably working at all hours of, of each. Yeah, for sure. And I'm definitely going to get into all the influences you've had because you, you've worked for some, some great coaches through the years. And, and we'll talk about that more. But just so you, you know, you played as a junior tennis player, you, you went to a community college. Um, after two years there, you had a decision to make to go on to continue to play tennis or to go to the University of Kansas and give up the tennis, obviously don't have a men's team there. And so you made that decision uh, to go to Kansas. And can you talk about how you got involved with the, the women's tennis team there and Coach Holt, uh, Amy Holt, who was there um, when, when you arrived on campus? Can you tell us that story? Yeah, um, you know, I had such a great experience at Cali, and it really was probably one of the tougher decisions I ever had to make. Um, had a few opportunities um, to play at a couple of D2 schools in Oklahoma um, or um, kind of uh, go up to Kansas and kind of finish my degree and start my uh, career, if you will. Um, so um, I knew that I was uh, never going to go pro in tennis. Um, you know, my. Yeah, it's such a good backhand. That's shocking. I, well, tell me about it. You know, yeah, it looks like a. The shizzle. Looks like an unfolding lawn chair, and my body is <laughs> shaped like a football. That I probably needed to stay away from um, from that, uh, and so I was probably really realistic about what my future was. Um, and so I think I I decided to go up to KU and enter their sport management program. I I didn't necessarily um, have the volunteer role uh, set up at all, um, but after a week of uh, of school, I felt so lost because my afternoons, my whole life was wrapped around athletics or tennis and practices. And I didn't even know what to do with myself. And so um, I reached out to, to Amy and uh, she was so welcoming um, in that, that role. Um, and it just kind of formed into uh, being the volunteer coach at, at like 20 years old. And I was like, I just uh, was kind of floored. So it was one thing um, uh, that I'm really eternally grateful for Amy for taking a chance on me, a 20-year-old and letting me be the volunteer and uh, the experience, uh, you know, probably I don't know if I'd be in this profession if she didn't give me that uh, opportunity right. to, to enter the door. So, um, yeah, I definitely wasn't set up, but I knew that uh, I needed to do something uh, with my with my afternoons in life because I was I was a lost soul. Um, and uh, it, it definitely it worked out. And and how did you convince Amy that you were the right person for that role at, at that moment in time? 
uh, yeah, I think I just told her my playing background and like, I just, I think I, I would say I just sold that kind of work ethic, whatever, you know, you needed. Um, and I was very fortunate that, um, I didn't necessarily need a job at the time. My, my parents kind of helped me through college. And so I, I basically treated this volunteer role, um, like a, like a real job. And so I mean, I would, I'd go to classes in the mornings, but I'd be grinding up uh, with uh, Herman Del Magro and me uh, share, shared an office. And so uh, whatever they kind of needed for the day, I'd be up there in the morning. I'd go to class. I'd come back and uh, we'd plan practice and I'd go to practice. And, um, you know, I think I really tried to treat it um, as best I could as, as a real job, even though I was like kind of free help, but gaining all this experience. Um, so I, I would just say just. Uh, I kind of sold her on my work ethic and how I could contribute to the team, whether that's hitting in or, um, or just an extra hand in the eyes. Uh, so mm. she, she luckily uh, told me yes. Yeah. And then, so I think it was maybe two years um, uh, during your time at Kansas, maybe a two years with Amy and then Amy moved into administration and then you decide to stay on for your master's degree, Todd Chapman came in, who's still the coach there and did an amazing job kind of revitalizing the program, setting it on a whole new trajectory. What are some lessons that you learned from Todd that you now apply at your, you know, uh, your current role at Iowa State? Yeah. Um, you know, Todd and I uh, are probably best friends to this day. Um, and it's all started, yeah, when he took over um, as the, uh, as the head coach. And I really wasn't sure, like when he took over as like, well, do I get to keep my like free job or like, I was a little nervous, but he didn't call. And I think the student athletes had some good things to say and kept me on. And, um, man, it was, it was, it was very intriguing because he came from Texas tech where they, I think they had won back to back 12, big 12 titles. And so, um, had a really good grasp of, of what is needed and uh, really learned uh, what the daily commitment in um, all phases were. So whether that's through the you know, team practices, through recruiting, um, through, through um, I guess, even the individual work, through film work, um, you really uh, where to kind of prioritize your time. And um, man, just watching that day-to-day, uh, I guess, effort um, and um, when when he's holding kids accountable um, to to his his expectations, I think that was ultimately a real, really awesome eye opener of like, wow, okay. And I think we jumped, you know, from maybe unranked to thirty three that first year, and it was like, oh my goodness, you know, wow, this is this is really uh, this is really uh, amazing uh, to to watch like all this hard work and um, you know tough conversations and, and exciting times, and then watch all this kind of to culminate um, into, um, you know, all that hard work turning into a ranking. It was, it was really neat. And that was eye-opening to me um, of like what, what that daily effort looked like and where to prioritize that time. And he was, he was the master at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for, for sure. And no doubt you're still learning from him uh, to, to this day, even though you're in the same conference, but that was one of the, the things in 2014. Um, I was looking for, for a new assistant and, and, um, Todd uh, Chapman just could not speak more highly of you and, and was uh, badgering me to, to, to hire you and, and uh, Todd Petty as well, uh, who's also in the Big 12 Conference. And 
obviously respect those the hell out of <laughs> those guys and the jobs that they have done. And so when they uh, both spoke so highly of you, obviously I listened and and uh, brought you in for an interview, and we hit it off and and uh, um, got started that that summer two thousand fourteen. And and obviously you were coming in. We had just lost uh, four uh, players, basically our top four players, <laughs> um, and uh, really was kind of a, a rebuilding year. And it uh, we ended up. Um, uh, you know, overachieving a little bit and, and uh, beating Ohio State in the first round of the NCAA tournament, then lost to, to Vandy. Uh, I think we took the doubles point off them. I think we were the only <laughs> team to do that maybe that that year. And, and um, you know, we're really, uh, you know, he- heading in a good direction and maybe a little further ahead of where we thought we'd be. And then the next year was absolutely miserable. Uh, could, couldn't have been any any worse, um, you know, and, and uh, we're, we're losing players to concussions, to illness, uh, mental health issues. Um, you know, we're having a hard time fielding a team. We're basically losing to everybody. Uh, don't make the NCAA tournament. I was obviously distracted because I knew I was moving back to Ireland and yeah. <laughs> trying to keep that a, a secret. And uh, obviously you knew, but... It was a challenging time, but you know this is your first full-time role um, in, in this this space. Uh, obviously, different responsibilities than you had as a volunteer. But what did you maybe learn through those ups and downs at, at OU? Yeah, um, it really uh, was interesting. Um, you know, I felt like both teams were very similar on paper. Our first team and our second team. Um, before like injuries and losing kids and, uh, just taught me that every year is different. Um, whether you have this team or not, um, each team takes its own identity and it is amazing. Um, the, the differences, especially looking at maybe other teams, like where you think they're going to be even better on paper and then they don't quite have the same success. And so I did learn that every year is a journey. Um, and because you really don't know, uh, what uh, you're going to get, but man, it was, it was really fascinating, Dave. I, you opened my eyes to, uh, just thinking outside the box and doing things, um, that maybe I, uh, wasn't um, so open to in the beginning, whether that was like really getting involved with, with yoga, like, you know, and I, again, I really didn't have much experience with that, you know, and you kind of explained or, or meditation and, and holding, um, I guess, uh, our kids to that and the benefits of that. Um, that was like where I never probably before then would have um, ever probably had my teams meditate. And now I see like so much validity and benefit uh, to, to that. And so um, I think, I think that was really eye opening that there uh, was so many uh, different ways to do things. Um, So I loved learning that. And then um, you were, you were really, really invested in in developing um, them as people way more so than, than the tennis player and that, um, and I saw that relationship, but I saw the, I saw the care, um, that you wanted them to be good people and develop like as people. Um, and so whether that was bringing in speakers, um, or just basically kind of, uh, challenging them at times of their beliefs. Why do you believe that? Um, you know, uh, kind of forming their own ethical, uh, um, mantra, if you will. And so, um, I, I really was inspired by that. Um, and, 
it was it was a ride and and so i i treasured our time together we got along so well and um it was it was really fascinating you even i would say uh, challenged me and like my my beliefs right and like why again why uh, you weren't afraid to ask why and that was that was awesome and i and i think i take i i took that to this day um even to my team and and um and try to uh, challenge them in, in all phases of their uh of their lives. Well, thank you boomer i appreciate that um yeah no it was uh definitely a, a fun ride and and uh despite the the downs and, and the difficulties in that second year. I think as I reflect upon our time there as well, and we talk about those two years, obviously I, I was a head coach for eight years and, and have perspectives on, like you said, each year being a different year and you have certain expectations. But I think one thing that really shone through that year was just the different in leadership, right? We only had, uh, we, we lost one senior the year before who was just a phenomenal leader and captain and an extension of, of you and I really. And uh, the following year, we didn't have that. And um, going through those difficult times is where leadership really shows up. That's when you really need a strong leader. And, and we didn't necessarily have that within the team and, and uh, just reinforced to me how important that is. You know, as we talk about selecting captains, say, it's, it's clear to me if I went back to, to coaching, it's like, you don't just select a captain because you think you're supposed to right or you feel obligated to and that's what other teams do and it's like uh yeah it definitely kind of sat with me for those two years and the difference is there and and uh hopefully that's something you're you're applying as well and realizing yeah just the difference one player can make but you know obviously going going from there um you know when a coach leaves it's always difficult right when i went to ou i had to you know, let the assistant coach know that we were moving in a different direction. I was bringing a new assistant and obviously that the new head coach came in and, and, and did the same thing with you. Um, and that's part of the, the, the nature of the, the role. And you know, that like you said, with your background, with your father and, and being an athletic director, so you know how the business works, but you ended up having an opportunity to fill in for Aliki uh, while she was on maternity leave at, at Bandy for semester as, as kind of the fill-in assistant coach, and then you were a volunteer. So how did that all come about? And then what, what did you learn there from Jeff McDonald and Aliki? Yeah, um, that was a really unique opportunity. Um, you know, I think uh, Audra was going to go her own direction with a new assistant. And as like, you know, maybe disappointing or frustrating as that might be, it is part of it, right? And I get it. You want to bring in your own person. And so um, you know, I started putting out feelers. We heard that, um, you know, Aliki was going to be um, on maternity leave and that was a chance to be Jeff's assistant uh, for that time. And I thought, man, what an opportunity. They just won a national title, uh, you know, and I think uh, it was like, oh, I jumped all over it. Even though I probably knew it was just going to be a year gig, um, I thought, man, the opportunity and experience I could learn and I kind of jumped uh, both feet in, and uh, again, I was I was very thankful for Jeff uh, taking a chance on me, you know, for for that year. And uh, wow, he he was uh, one of the best uh, tennis coaches I've I've really ever been around. Um, he's so cerebral and intellectual, and had a way of looking at the game. And um, he really inspired me. Um, to how I go about uh, developing players, um, whether it was from feel or, or targets or patterns or technique. Um, he, he really 
taught me how to be a student of the game, you know? And I mean, there would be moments um, where, uh, you know, we might be at a tournament, one team is eating um, their dinner and, and we're going over the phases of momentum with our team. And it was, uh, man, it, it really struck me deep of like, uh, of what, how, how good and well they develop athletes. Because I think at that time, um, you know, there, I saw from afar that their players were getting better and they were, um, quote unquote, maybe not the, the number one and two kids in the country, but they were, they were good players, but they, they grew and you saw like, you know, kids like Fernanda Contreras, who I don't even know, was she 20 or 30 in the class? And by her junior and senior year, she's top two in the country. And now she's 300 WTA. And it's like, wow, or Astra Sharma obviously rings a bell and is playing all the grand slams now. And, um, you know, to be able to work with those two kids um, and just that whole team and, and understanding this is what um, it, it probably it felt like this is what it should look like, if that makes sense. Um, you know, we we're very successful, won the SEC, won the um, SEC tournament and made the final four and lost to a great, you know, Florida team. Um, and uh, man, just that ride and, and more so just the development side, uh, Jeff was totally inspiring. And then same with Aliki, uh, you know, those two worked together for over, over a decade and uh, just watching them, them on court and their care. Uh, it was special. It was something really special that um, I, I treasure uh, for forever. And so I think, um, yeah, I was I was grateful that he took a chance on me. And then I met my wife in Nashville. So that year, so uh, I was it was it was one of the better years uh, I would say of, of my life because it was it was awesome professionally and uh, personally. Um, it was mm. special. Yeah, and that's good to hear because right, it's scary. You didn't know what your future was going to be. You didn't know where you were going to go. Um, yeah, and, and how things work out and, and coaches, yeah, look, every summer are finding themselves in that position and probably feeling a little bit <clears throat> down and concerned about next steps. But usually things work out and you just uh, work out for, for, for the best and work out the way they're supposed to. But from there, then you head over to Lubbock you to become uh, Todd Petty's assistant. And obviously, like I mentioned, Todd Petty and Todd Chapman, they worked together. Todd Chapman was Todd Petty's assistant at Texas Tech. And uh, obviously you had uh, Todd Petty, you know, had pushed me to, to, to hire you. So obviously he was going to do the same once his position opened and, and it did. And the timing worked out well. And um, you know, it, it's interesting because you've had these different influences and, and I would probably classify, you know, Todd and Todd, maybe a little bit more old school in, in their approach and maybe myself and, and Jeff, maybe a little bit more holistic and can be a little weird at times, maybe, uh, but, uh, but maybe tell us uh, some of the things that you learned, you know, during your time at Texas tech and, and from Todd Petty. For sure. Um, my initial, it was so fascinating coming from the Vanderbilt program to the Texas Tech program, and both were, you know, top eight in the country. And so uh, my first initial impression was, wow, there are definitely multiple ways from A to B. And it, mm -hmm. you know, it's not necessarily yeah. a straight line. And, um, you know, Todd Petty was unbelievable at um, holding every one of his players uh, to accountable to their best every day and that could be a you know first week freshman or that could be a senior a senior leader on the team 
And I think he was remarkable at pushing um, a certain level out of everybody. Um, and especially, I, I think I saw that with their seniors. I think, I think he, um, you know, might have uh, this persona of like a really tough coach, but I saw the love that those seniors had uh, for him and, and, you know, the toughness that they uh, showed in all of their matches and practices of, of, of being through with his program for the three previous years. And there, it wasn't uh, by fault that they were, you know, we were top five in the country. Um, and so, uh, yeah, he was just unbelievable at holding, um, holding those standards high and uh, really pushing his players to achieve those. And um, probably the next thing that I really learned for him uh, from him was just his ability to multitask. I mean, he would be, you know, finished practice for an individual and it's a five minute ride over to the offices and he's on the phone, you know, fundraising for his pro tournament or texting a recruit or maybe calling, maybe I shouldn't, te- he shouldn't text and drive. Uh, but uh, <laughs> the time, um, it made him so uh, efficient and effective. Uh, there wasn't really minutes wasted. And so I think I really learned of like, again, there, there shouldn't be so much dead time. Um, definitely relax when you need to relax. But at the same time, uh, it's that daily dedication again, um, that that's going to make you successful. And then, um, yeah, holding everybody accountable to their best. There's no doubt about it. He was, he was remarkable. And there's, um, in the successes has showed that through, through what he's done. Hmm. Yeah, no doubt. And then, so I think you ended up, uh, being there for three years, Boomer, is that right? Just one year with coach Petty. Just one year. Just one year. Okay. Jeez, the years are flying by. I know. And so then the, the opportunity at Iowa State presents itself. And you've obviously built quite a resume by then as, as we've talked through it and, and uh, really paid your dues all the time from being a, a volunteer at Kansas and then all the different coaches and programs that you've worked for. So obviously you had a very good resume. Iowa State were obviously interested, your familiarity with the Big 12. but what are some of the other things you think you did well to separate yourself from the other candidates? Yeah, I think definitely the resume got me in the door, right? Um, and I think uh, it was um, it was a great lead-in, um, and I tried to take advantage of my interview as much as as I could. Um, and I really, really, um, maybe even like uh, getting uh, some of the assistant jobs, I really sold my work ethic. Of, of like, I guess that day and night kind of uh, grinding mentality. But most importantly, I think my vision um, for the program and what we could be. And, you know, to be honest, I, I, I don't think, uh, I don't know if our admin maybe thought I was blowing smoke at them, but I was like, no, we can, we can definitely compete in this conference. We can make tournaments. And that is my goal, right? And I don't know what the other candidates might've said, but I believed it. I really, uh, I didn't know what that timeline might be, but I felt like we could be better and we could learn something. And um, yeah, and so I really tried to sell that vision into the ground and, um, and I guess um, show, show that genuineness um, in that belief. Um, and so I think that probably set me apart. Like I said, I don't know what the others might have said, but um, I think I obviously... It must have worked. I don't know for what, why, but it uh, they took a chance on me, and I'm glad they did. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you you've done amazing things uh, since your 
uh, hiring there. But tell us why why did you believe that? Right, the Iowa State program had had struggled for uh, decades, um, maybe since its inception. It's, it had a very uh, poor record in the Big Twelve uh, for many years. It hadn't been competitive nationally. Um, nobody ever, I don't think, believed it could be uh, for for different reasons at that time. Um, so why, why did you believe differently to probably 99% of other coaches out there at that, that moment? Great, uh, question. Yeah. I, um, you know, it is a tough job and it was funny during that interview process, I called a lot of people in the industry and man, almost everybody told me not to take it. Like it's maybe your career could go to die type deal. Like it was, it had that kind of stigma, if you will. And, um, you know, I think right before I got the call uh, to be offered, I was talking to a friend of mine, um, Rick Mortera, who was at, uh, who was at uh, now Utah. And he said he learned something from uh, Brad Dancer at uh, Illinois. And he said, man, there are two things. If you feel like you can make the program better and learn something, then 100%, it, it's a yes, right? And mm. I felt like, I really felt like those two things. Um, and I'd say the third prong of that is I wanted to challenge myself as a coach. And I felt like, wow, this is one of, um, you know, the, the toughest jobs in the country. And if, if I believe in myself as a coach to come and, and turn this around, I would have maybe that experience or a leg up on um, the rest of the coaches. You know, I think everybody wants this shiny program, you know, this already polished, right? Everybody wants a finished product. I felt like, man, if I can go, I can go learn how to recruit to this place. I can, I can go learn how to develop a team in this place. Then, man, I, I feel like I could gain a lot of experience in that regard. And, um, you know, sure enough, it's been, it's been a, it's been an unbelievable ride. Uh, I, I, I think it was, I didn't know what that timeline might be of our success. I felt like we would inch forward and, you know, year three come around and it takes a special group of young women and they, they were just remarkable, um, man, just not, we, we talk a lot about not playing logos, right? And I feel like that maybe that first year we, we tried to instill belief of, of like, we're not going to play the Texas Longhorns or the Baylor Bears or Oklahoma State Cowgirls. Like, hey, we're going to play the people in front of us and we're not going to be scared about it. And I think um, it was nice to get, um, you know, the group that we did and Wow, it was it was it was so cool watching them break through a ceiling that not many thought was possible. Um, and just watching a group of young women, they were inspiring. It was it was truly um, it was almost it was very emotional at times because it is is the coolest thing as a coach. I think that's why you coach to watch watch a group just just succeed at a remarkable level when nobody thought it was possible, and maybe just us did. Um, you know. Mm-hmm. I said I wasn't sure what level to that was, and they really burst through some doors, and uh, and it was it was special. Um, and so I think um, that mixed with uh, just persistence and that daily effort that you try to teach them, I would say I, I teach them to show up early every day, just kind of like a little pass down from my dad. And you know what? I think we've only had one or two kids late in the three years, and so they picked <laughs> up on that pretty quick. But um, no, it's it, it was awesome. I wouldn't trade this profession or that feeling. Um, for anything, um, and uh, mm. it's uh, it's been fun. It's been a, it's been a great journey. 
Yeah, no, it's it's super cool to hear. And obviously, I've been following along and, and, and enjoying the ride from, from a distance and hearing about your uh, your developments and, um, you know, senior development firsthand as well and seeing you grow from a young man into a fully-fledged hardcore coach. <laughs> so, but but there, there's... You know, there's so many programs for us, right? We we can't name them name them all. I mean, you just like you said, you burst through the doors, burst through all these different glass ceilings that were there. But in this past year, you know, you you, you beat South Carolina in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, make the second round for the first time ever in program history. And so now, as you enter year four, you get my years right. Am I getting my years right? Year yeah, four. Yeah, and, yeah. and you've every year showed these improvements, these developments, um, these new program firsts. You know, uh, do you feel some pressure to having to keep replicate that? And, and I guess going forward, does anything change in your program? Um, or do you just, hey, this is what got us here and it's going to keep pushing us forward? Or, or how are you thinking about that or reflected upon that this summer? Um, definitely, I would say learning um, from our, our probably our two years at, at OU, right? You had a great year, and then the second year was rough. Of I really tried to take those first few weeks and enjoy and just like be grateful for what we have achieved because I don't know what this next year is going to bring, right? On paper, mm-hmm. yeah, we could have a good team, but like I think I really tried uh, to, to take a step back. And just appreciate, um, you know, and not just, oh my God, okay, what's next? What's next? You know, and so uh, to enjoy those times, because I, I think I, luck, I guess, luckily, what we've had, I've been a coach to have had bad years. And so understanding um, that th- it was a rarity and, and to enjoy those moments. So I think that was the first thing uh, that I really tried to do. And um, yeah, I think I've thought a lot about like what, what needs to change, what could we do better, what could we tweak? And, um, kind of our staples of our program are attitude, effort, competitiveness. And so those are like three controllables that I kind of hold, you know, we're going to win matches and we're going to lose matches. And I tell you what, that first year, we didn't win as many matches, but man, that those kids gave me everything that they had. And I couldn't have been prouder of a group. And I told them that after multiple losses of like, guys, there's not much else I can do. And so um, I think, I think understanding that, and I don't think it should change too much. Maybe your goals for the program do. Um, and I'd be lying if I said that, uh, obviously, we want to achieve more. Okay, well, we've made the second round. You know, we have a bunch of you guys back, almost everybody. We lose one senior. Um, how do we take that next step? And I think, you know, okay, how do we make a Sweet 16 at Iowa State? And I think, you know, I think those will be uh, goals that we come up with as a team. Um, and, and I'll hold them to what they want to come up as a team because it's, it's their program as much as mine. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say the pressure is probably self-made more than anything. Uh, but um, I don't think, uh, obviously, what we've done um, has worked. And so I don't think, you know, if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Back to that good old saying. And um, like I said, there might be little tweaks here and there of, of uh, of different things. Maybe, like I said, it might be prioritizing some doubles it might be, um, you know, whatever it might be, but I, I, I don't think, uh, we shouldn't reinvent the wheel too much. Just, uh, adjust with the times and then the team that we have this year. Very good. And so, 
you know, there's no doubt you have taken advantage of every opportunity that has come your way. You, you were given an opportunity by Amy Holt. You know, I'm sure if we called up Amy right now, she'd have nothing but amazing things to say about you. Todd Chapman, myself, Jeff McDonald, Aliki Tsubanis, uh, Todd Petty. Uh, you know, I'm sure if I called your AD now uh, <laughs> at Iowa State, um, he would be raving about you. You know, you, you've, you've, you've just taken advantage of every opportunity that has been presented to you. And you've done it in, in with such a great attitude, a great spirit. People enjoy being around you. So how, you know, or what advice would you give to young coaches that, again, want to put themselves on a similar path to yourself or, or maybe on that path right now? But what advice do you give to them as to how to seize every opportunity that, that comes their way? Yeah, um, I, I would say that the thing that comes to mind is don't hold back and jump with two feet in. I think, I think you have to be 100% committed and have that confidence in yourself um, when that opportunity is presented. Whether you fall on your face or you know, succeed, um, I don't think um, success is uh, an accident. And so I think you've got to uh, commit. So whatever that opportunity you want to take advantage of, if it's an assistant job, if it's a head job, um, I don't think you can hold back. Don't get me wrong. There are, there are multiple tough times in the head. And um, I think I've, there are a lot of times that I've vent and I'm frustrated, but um, I try to do, to, to bring that daily effort of, of, of uh, you know, one jumping in, but two learning something each day. Um, and I, I've been so privileged, um, I, you know, with my journey and who I've got to work for and learn from um, that. I think that's the biggest thing that I, I take to each day is try to greet it and jump in. And I, I have a, um, an amazing personality, if you ask me. Uh, and I try to, uh, I try to, you know, shed that energy and that passion to, uh, to others. Um, but, um, yeah, at the end of the day, don't, don't hold back and jump in and whether you fail or a sink or swim, um, that would be my best advice. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think you just, you're so clear on the work that it takes and maybe that does start with, with your father and, and <clears throat> being around uh, an athletic department at such an early age. But I, I think, as you said, like a lot of coaches, they, you know, we all want the the finished product and we'd love to walk in the door and, and everything's, you know, peachy and ready to go. Uh, but it's rarely the case, but also underestimate the amount of work that is required. I mean, what I think with each passing year and you see, you know, the, 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 the hirings, um, it's just become a more competitive space. And, and obviously, um, you know, many coaches at, at the top level, especially are being paid much higher salaries than they were 20, 30 years ago. And the expectations are higher with each, you know, passing year, every athletic department believes they can win a, an NCAA title or a conference title. And, and, um, but the, the work that is required, I think sometimes early in coaches career, they underestimate that they think they're working hard and, uh, you know, but they're not. And, and, and you, you figure that out from, from day one. And, and I think that's what everybody is going to say about you, just how much time you're willing to put in. And I think a lot of, as well, you, you realize as a coach, because you are, you know, you're basically the CEO of the program the more 
work you put in, the more, more work comes your way. Right. So if I, if, even if I think I have nothing to do, but I go and plop myself down in the office chair, at, you know, whatever time and I do it for nine, 10 hours, I'm creating more and more work. And the next day I come in, I've probably generated all this work for me. And, and so I guess the message is, or, or uh, what I've learned uh, from, from you as well, even when you think there's no work to be done, there's no shortage of it and go create it. always work, right? Absolutely. Always work. Never yeah. uh, much dead time. Yeah, no, never. So, um, okay, well, we're going to move into, I've got some new uh, rapid fire uh, questions this season. <laughs> Swing bullets. All right. Uh, yeah, here, here we go. So what is the best piece of advice you've received from anyone in your life? doesn't have to be tennis related. Never put limits on what you think you can do or what is possible. Okay. And, and who, uh, where did you uh, learn to, that? Uh, my first uh, event here, I was about three weeks in and um, coach Prone, the basketball coach of uh, Iowa state at that, at that time, um, I asked him for advice and he really, he really said that straight up to me. And, um, you know, I think, uh, their, their program has done really well. Um, maybe they fell off a little bit these last couple of years, but I think at the end of the day, um, I had so many people, like I said, don't take this job. And um, I think if you put limits on what this job is, like, yeah, you, I think it would, you would struggle and, and yet you can't, you know, I think me and my assistant had a few conversations of like, why, like, why can't we get this kid that's top hundred? It's like, oh, it's just the way it works. Like, no, no, no. I, I, I refuse to believe that. Like, you know, we need to break the mold. Um, and so um, just showing that persistence of like anything is possible. It's going to take a lot of work to get there and, um, you know, maybe some luck, but um, um, don't just stay with the status quo, you know, try to break it. You know, don't put limits on that. Yeah, no, that's great. And I think uh, the Big 12 has been a great example of that through the years. Um, you know, a, a, a league that on the women's side hadn't been particularly competitive for, for many years and programs that weren't particularly competitive. And nobody thought, well, you know, you can't get those recruits, you can't get those players, you can't compete for, you know, uh, national championships. And, you know, we've seen what Oklahoma State have done and Texas Tech and Kansas and so it is, it is possible. So, um, no, it's, it's great advice. So, uh, is there a book, podcast, article, passage, poem that has influenced you in your journey? Um, I'm going to go with a YouTube video. Um, there's a motivational speaker, Eric Thomas, um, and he talks about a guru. And, um, and it's, it's one of my favorite things. I don't know. I came across it several years ago and um, it's about a, it's about a guy that says, Hey, he's, he's at this convention and he's listening to this really successful guy who makes millions of dollars. Like, I want to do that. And the guru says, all right, meet me at the beach at 4am tomorrow morning. I mean, you know, kind of gave, uh, gave that look like what, uh, and so he shows up, you know, suit tie briefcase, um, at the, at the beach at 4am and the guru said, all right, now come out in the water. And he's like, what? I'm not here to, <laughs> I'm not here to get in the water. Like I, I want your secrets. And so he finally gets in the water, suit and tie everything. They go down to about the neck and the guru puts his hands on his head and shoves him in the water and he's holding them down. And the guy's like basically flailing, flailing, flailing. And then finally the guru lets him up and he, and he basically tells him, you will be successful when you want to, when you want to succeed worse than you want to breathe. 
And that always kind of uh, stuck with me. It's like, wow. And so that's the kind of dedication, right? I got to succeed more than I want to breathe. And so that might be an extreme example, uh, but I, I think that always resonated in me. And maybe just that fear of, I don't know, like I didn't do enough. So maybe I'm always in the office or uh, just, you know, the fear of like, well, if I, what, what, that fear of not doing enough or everything in my power to succeed. So uh, that, that one always stuck with me. Mm, okay. Um, what would you tell your 20-year-old self starting at KU? Oh, man. Um, you're on the right path um, because it's, uh, it's been amazing. Um, I feel like I wake up every day and I don't have a job. Um, I get to do what I get to do. I don't have to do it. And uh, I've really treated it like that. And it's like, I can't believe they're paying me to, to coach tennis. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, and, and get to develop athletes and have these great interactions. And so um, it's, it's like, a, I, I don't want to call it a hobby, but it's, it's a true treat. And uh, it's amazing that this is my career. So um, just getting my younger self to buy into that. And, you know, you might as a volunteer be like, gosh, you know, I could have, you know, been a manager and probably made 500 bucks a month and I'm not making anything, but, you know, you might get frustrated with the, the financial side, but, um, you know, I think in time, the, the money will come if, if you just have that genuine passion and chase it. Um, so uh, just to stay, you're doing the right thing, stay on the right path because it's, it's, it's been an awesome journey. Right. And, and don't buy a big red truck before you can afford it. Right. Definitely. Yes. No, I think that was, that was probably rule number two of like, don't buy a new vehicle as soon as you get your first job. <laughs> don't fall in the uh, trap. <laughs> um, okay. So when you, when you start practice this fall, a very first team practice, what is the first drill you're going to do with your team? This is oldie, but a goodie. I think I have two. The one, it was a 440 that I, that I learned from you, and I can't remember. Maybe you got it from Blair Pollard at Northwest. I did. Yeah. Um, it's a uh, it, we, we it's a staple for the Cyclone, and so mm-hmm. four ways: cross down the line, cross down the line, start at ten, work your way down to nine, eight, seven, six. Um, that's that's a staple. I think we we've gotten a lot of groans each time that comes up, but <laughs> it does uh, help the development. And then we do a drill where we put a hula hoop. Uh, by the by the hash and they got to do footwork around the hula hoop um because i'm a believer that you got to be as good of an athlete in the middle of the court as you do on the corners and so uh we do we do a lot of stuff like that i would say those two really stick out for sure those will be first drill uh first drill practice awesome and then who is the favorite coach you've worked for oh wow put me on the spot man um Dave Mullins comes to mind. Okay. Okay. I just, just checking, just checking. Well, Boomer, I I think we did it. Thank you for uh, your time today. This, this was a blast. I am so proud of you. I'm so uh, happy to be, uh, you know, a small part of your journey. Um, I love working with you. I love you. You're the best. Keep doing what you're doing. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me. Thanks for listening in to the College Tennis Coaches Podcast with your host, Dave Mullins. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Boomer. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to like and subscribe. And as always, you can head over to itatennis.com to listen to more episodes as well as check out all the resources available for coaches. 
That's all for this episode, folks. We look forward to next time.